My name is Julian. I am a freshman here at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, and welcome to Healing in the Bayou, a podcast series on the history of medicine created by the Gibble Center for Public History at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. This season, we are exploring the shared histories of COVID-19 and the movement for Black lives in Southwest Louisiana. In this episode, we will talk about how COVID did not change the experiences of the treatment of the Black community and how experiences with social distancing created struggles for many people in different ways. During COVID, the movement for Black lives was not anything new, but was more out there with news outlets and social media being one of the only way people saw almost anything and anyone. The movement for Black lives was an eye-opener for some and not anything new for others. One of my interviewees, DeAsia, who was also my roommate, talked more about this. Hi, um, my name is DeAsia. And I am a freshman this year and majoring in nursing. Um, I'm 18 and I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So in the midst of a health crisis and a growing economic crisis, systemic issues are again reminding our nation of the long path ahead. Did you participate in a protest for Black lives, post on social media, or educate yourself on the history behind police violence? Um. Unfortunately, I was not able to attend a physical protest because I was worried about the pandemic and stuff like that. And for me personally, I didn't think there was a way for me to participate in one of those protests and also stay safe with the COVID. And so I did not, but I did post on social media and um, everything, basically like, you know, spreading awareness for the people and like backing up the people who did attend. And um, on, with, as far as the educating myself on police brutality, I didn't have to educate myself on police brutality, which is sad because I've known about the treatment of black people from police officers for a, like since I was a little girl, like that's kind of something every black person has to tell their children or their family members or whatever. And honestly, I don't think that is fair to us. Like we have to learn about that at such a young age and like other people don't have to think about that. Events during 2020 and COVID are not the first times black people have been mistreated. Dorothy E. Roberts, who is a professor and successful author is someone who explains the life of black people, especially for women and children. She talks about times during the slavery era and the mistreatment that happened. When listening to her talk on YouTube about her book called Killing the Black Body, it was heartbreaking to hear the events that, if were happened today, would be considered dehumanizing. Roberts explains, during the slavery era, pregnant women, when they were going to be punished, the slavery owner's way of punishment would be to dig up a trench and lay the pregnant woman over the trench, having her stomach in the trench. They thought the fetus in the belly would be protected this way and would beat the future mothers on their backs. Hearing this made my heart sink and definitely angry and having that image in my mind made me cringe on how horrible this must have been. From my roommate, Deasia, 
and from Dr. Roberts, it is obviously seen that, mis- that the mistreatment and fear is nothing new. Decades have passed, and although the world is different, it is also the same. It goes a bit deeper for one of my interviewees, Michelle, about the in- movement for Black lives, as she herself is in an interracial relationship. This is what Michelle, a 24-year-old from Homa, Louisiana, had to say. The respect for just humankind and people of color, it's its not there. It's really not. And it hasn't been since forever, really. I mean, I don't... Honestly, I don't don't understand why, and it hurts me to the core that we have one race higher than another, or one race is just more dominant, more powerful than another. I mean, we're just we're same. We shed the same blood. We have the same bones, except for babies, because you know babies got like less bones than we do. But anyway, like that, I don't get it at all like it's, it's just heart aching heartbreaking just to see all that going on for sure so connecting to that what are your worries for the future concerning the community or even the nation there's a lot of future worries mostly for me i do worry about uh, my future kids i do have a black boyfriend as you know and um it's, it's hard. I did watch a YouTube video where this couple, interracial couple, was just going through everything that's going on. He's black and she's Asian. And she was just talking about how she doesn't understand, but she's here for him. So Chai, my boyfriend, I let him know it. It is scary and I, I'm getting choked up, but it's, it's, um, how do, how do I say it? For you to let like your child go into the world and know that there's hate, there's people that's gonna, you know, attack you at some point because of who you are. How are you gonna explain that to a child? You know, that's just, that's something crazy. And like I said, I don't understand his situation, my boyfriend's situation, but I'm here for him. I'm letting him know that I'm standing with him no matter what. I'm going to stand for what he believes is right. I'm going to stand for what I believe is right. And honestly, sometimes when we go out in public, we are scared. We, we are aware of what's going on his mom would give him like a taser or something when she's a police officer so he would she would give him a taser if we go out of state and um you know she she won't know what's gonna happen to her baby or me actually like it's just that's a big worry for the future or something like that and with the government going on i'm not going to kind of go into politics you know but Let's just hope everything starts to um, minimize peace. I know this is, um, what is it? What's that word? Cliche. I know it's cliche to say, but I just hope there's going to be peace in the world eventually. 
I hope we all stay educated and respect everybody. Like you shouldn't be saying that now to 20 year olds, 30 year olds, four year olds. We learned that in elementary school. So I don't understand why we can't bring that out into the reality, you know? It's, it's crazy. Michelle really couldn't have said it any better, and the only thing we can do is to be more aware and educate ourselves so that future generations can create a better world. In a podcast I recently listened to called Race and Clinical Equity, we hear a similar conversation from Dr. Kimberly Manning as she explains the changes that need to be done. Although she doesn't talk specifically about one race, this can apply to almost anyone. She says, as much as we don't want to admit, we're just a very segregated society We play nice, but then when we leave work and go into environments where everybody looks like us, and that does not help when it comes to us trying to move forward. One of the biggest ways to mitigate bias and to counter narratives is to step into lives that are not like yours, and I don't really know what the life is like for some people, but the way for me to be able to see better and to see people better is to broaden my life lens. She also explains how something as simple as checking up on people we wouldn't normally talk to and initiating the conversation makes others feel cared for. 25-year-old Michelle Mai also explains how being kind can go a long way. If you would take one thing out of this interview, I would say to be kind. It is something that everybody says a lot, but you never know the smallest things can brighten up somebody's day, opening the door, saying, hey, saying what's up, checking on your friend, even though like they can be in the happiest state of mind, it doesn't matter. Just respect everybody, respect their bubble, respect their decisions, and just be a good person. It may be hard for some people to create connections during the beginning of COVID, especially with social distancing. Here are some other struggles people had to go through. Just like me, one of my fellow classmates, Michelle Lamb, had her senior year cut short. So as a student, I didn't get to finish my senior year of high school and I didn't have a normal first year of college either. So um, when school ended in March, we didn't really transition from in-person to online. We just ended school like completely. Um, So as far as technological, we didn't experience online learning at all until I got to college. So just as Michelle stated, she didn't get to really transition at all into online um, school. I know for me, as soon as classes 
and school got shut down, we moved directly from in-person to online. So it must have been super hard coming into college, not really having too much of an online experience. Um, and I also, my roommate, Deasia, as you heard before, she's also a first-time college student. And here is her sharing her challenges with me. Some other challenges was, honestly, being in the house, surrounded by, like, just me, mom, and my brother, like, 24-7 for, like, a month was, like, I don't know, that's crazy, like, being stuck in a house with the same people every day and not being able to, like, interact with other people. And uh, my best friend, uh, we've been friend, best friends since, like, we were four. And, like, we have never been apart from each other so long. And it was, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it was just crazy. Like, we couldn't be around each other. And, like, if we could, it was, like, FaceTime. Or we couldn't even, like, get close enough to each other so I could have, like, a real in-person connection. So, Michelle, DeAsia, and I, we are all first-time freshmen here at UL. And I think just having the whole experience of social distancing and not having in-person contact for so long was very difficult and coming into a whole new way of life you know coming into college um not having experienced any in-person contact for so long i think for me i know i was a little bit worried you know how is this all going to work out not being able to see many people not being able to make the same connections we would online everything's going to be online on zoom um yeah i think that was a big worry and we're still trying to figure that out today but i know slowly it's getting better um and now we have michelle mai who is a graduate of nickel state university and here are her points of views on her struggles My household, I mean, it took a pretty big um, impact in my household. My dad got unemployed because um, of everything that's going on. He did work in a small company, so they had to let him go. And um, with all that going on, with unemployment and everything, and uh, the call volumes for that, it's pretty high. So for you to get in touch with somebody on the phone, whether it's... um, anything with any service that you want. It's, it's really hard. And uh, it took, um, not really it took, it was just a lot of anger in one room. Everybody had to see each other every day, as you know. And um, it's, it was just something different that we weren't used to at all. And we were arguing almost every day. Um, we do have, I do have a little sister so we try to minimize arguing in front of her or if it comes to financial information we would just sweep it under the rug until you know until she's sleeping or something but with the household situation it did take a damper especially working from home and all that as you can see everyone had their own struggles no matter who you were and this brings me back to a video i watched 
which is called A Common Ground, People's History of the Pandemic in NYC. And it was basically um, showing people's oral histories in different forms, whether it was through art, through a picture. It gave flashbacks um, of what life you know, was a year ago and how much we've grown, how much has changed, how much we have adapted. Um, and something as simple as, you know, a picture where usually there's full of people um, versus a picture where there's barely anyone, maybe one person walking around kind of says a lot. And it it shows how serious everything was. Everyone was coping with the same thing and also coping with different things at the same time. Um, you know, COVID has opened many lights for people and it also showed many issues that, you know, weren't shown before that have been brought to light because of COVID. I would like to thank all of my interviewees, Michelle Lamb, Deja Mack, and Michelle Mai for sharing their experiences um, about COVID and the movement for Black Lives. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Healing the Bayou.